Welcome to Destination Leadership, the podcast for people interested in diving into the worlds of inspiring leaders to learn from them. I'm your host, Katrin Grunwald, founder of The Globe Team, organizational development consultant, and coach for first-time leaders. After a long break of one year, hello again. I am so happy to present you today's episode where we actually have two special guests all the way from Costa Rica. It's Carolina Garcia and Carla Staten. In the episode, we talk about their inspiring leadership journey and how they formed Beleli, an out-of-the-box educational institution for early childhood education. We speak about how their diverse personalities have translated into the success of Beleli, that's where also the title of Ying and Yang comes from, and what's important to them when working with their team. I can only say if I was four years old again, I would have loved to be at their kindergarten. And a quick note, please bear with us regarding the internet connection sometimes during the recording. But... Nevertheless, I wish you a good time listening to the episode, and I'm sure you're going to have lots of specific takeaways for yourself, especially those of you listeners who are looking for a leadership tandem or if that's something that interests you. If you like the episode, let us know by email to katrin at destination-leadership.com or by subscribing to the podcast. There will be episodes again and rating it. Enjoy listening to our conversation. Welcome to today's episode. It's a very special one because I have the pleasure of welcoming two guests. We have Carolina here and Carla. And um, let me, before I welcome them, share something about how I got to meet them. A friend of mine recommended Carolina already I think nearly three years ago when I asked her for like inspiring leaders that she knew and when I get to meet Carolina I actually realized that let's say also the magic of what she's doing is really happening in the combination of Carolina and Carla together so that's why I thought okay let's do it first and let's invite two guests to the podcast and that's why it's such a great pleasure to talk to both of you so welcome Carolina and welcome Carla thank you our pleasure thank you very much for an invitation Yes, you're very welcome. I'm so excited to share your story and your leadership learnings with the listeners. And um, before we dive into that, let's start with a short introduction from yourself so that we hear more about your background. So let's start maybe with Carolina and then we move to Carla. Sure. Um, well, I'm Costa Rican. I'm 38 years old and um, I started to be a teacher, a preschool teacher. And then I did a master's in Barcelona, and it's like my first and only experience living in another country, and it was amazing. And I've been working with kids since I was 19, 20. Um, and then like just as an, uh, just helping, volunteering as an assistant, and then I became a, a preschool assistant and then a preschool teacher. And after doing my master's in Barcelona, I decided to come back and do something um, different for the community, for the, the educational experiences that were happening here. 
Um, first, I worked in a foundation that was called um, Fundación Quirostanzi with the One Laptop Per Child program. And then do, while I was doing that, I also started Beleli, uh, that we can talk about it later, but it's a project, the project that we're running right now with Carla. And eight years from that beginning, we're here with um, almost 150 kids, almost 40, 45 uh, staff members and two campuses. And we're super excited about what's going on right now. and what's going what's coming in the near future so thank you <laughs> thank you and Carla what's your connection yeah with Beleli and um, a bit about your background yes so I was born in Venezuela and I moved to Miami when I was a teenager so I did high school and university in Miami um, uh, my background is in early childhood development and I have a master's in teacher leadership and, and I've been working since I was since I was 17 years old in education so most of my experiences were kind of like parallel between going to the university and then applying whatever I was learning. So the classroom has always been my experimental place. And in the meantime, I was also part of research group. I, I love research. I love data. I love numbers and kind of understanding what they mean and how they transfer into the practice. And I think in a way, that's what um, drove me to, to Taro and, and to Beleli, because in a way we can manage to say this works because we can prove it, that it works. It sounds very nice. It sounds awesome and it's very utopian. But we also have a way to prove that it works and, and bring it back to numbers. So um, I moved to Costa Rica about nine years ago because of my husband. He got transferred to Costa Rica. I wasn't supposed to be here, but just got this offer. We moved. I met Catalina a month later after we moved and we were, she's like, yeah, I want to start this. Do you want to join me? I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And that's how Beleli came about. Now I'm a mom. I have two Costa Rican daughters and I think we're here for good. So this is, this is home now. Great. And you spoke about this utopian project. I'm sure everyone's really curious to hear, hear more about. So we've heard it's about kids. It's something special and it's a methodology that really works. You've seen it into action. Tell us more about your project or well, your organization. Okay. Well, you can start. Okay. So um, Beleli is a network of preschool centers. Well, now we have elementary. So it's a network of schools, I must say. And we are very inspired in the Reggio Emilia um, approach. Uh, but I think more and more we're less Reggio and more Beleli. Like we, through the years, we've been adding and taking and bringing stuff from our different um, experiences, from programs that inspire us throughout the world. And um, yeah, so our idea is to show that education can be fun and respectful of development and respectful of rights and respectful of creativity and individuality. And kind of like this system of education in which everyone competes and everyone gets, you know, who got the better grade and who was the fastest and who was the, you know, the smartest. That that means nothing in the real world. And there is no other place like school after you graduate from school. You know, like it really doesn't transfer to real life. So we decided to open Valeli and we knew we were going to be weird, really weird. And we were okay with that. You know, we, we had this conversation of like, you know, 
how are we going to manage like social pressure because people were are people going to pay for it you know like are they going to be okay with sending their kids to a school so they can climb trees and and play and get it dirty really dirty you know and and do all an experiment and experience failure and all of this and in a way Cara and I just sat down one day and we were like well if it doesn't work it doesn't work and we move on but we're not going to sell our souls you know we're not going to do the same thing that already exists so we're going to be weird and I think what has happened now is that we're not so weird anymore you know eight years ago we were like crazy and these two girls and they have this project that it's never going to work and now it's like oh we're not that weird. We have more people like us. And we always said that the best thing that could happen to Beleli is to have good competitors. So that would be like the best because that it only raises the bar for everyone. You know, this is it's a good way of seeing it. So so yeah, that's that's Beleli. It's basically yeah. a school. And it's so wonderful that for me as podcast host to see leaders from such different areas of life. So you are the first ones uh, coming from schools and working with children. And I would be really curious to take a path down memory lane and see before you started working together, what were your experiences with leadership? I know you've had mentors. Um, so maybe let's let's go back a few years. What were things, Carolina, for example, that you took away and going into the Beleli experience, your organization, that you wanted to maybe do differently? Yes. Uh, well, I just wanted to add something to what Carla was saying that I think like also being in Costa Rica, it's it's a must. It's that connection with nature. I think um, just like being in this amazing country surrounded with so much nature and, and specifically during a pandemic time, it's like just like for mental health, having this surroundings and being in contact with nature and just playing with nature has been uh, a non-negotiable for us. And it's something that for, for teachers, for kids, for families has been like amazing and super powerful. Um, and like coming back to the question that you're asking, uh, this is one question that already was asked to Kyla and I a couple of years ago. And, and we can talk, well, I can talk about the mentors that we have right now, but actually in the past, I was the one like, like creating the path, not like, and, uh, and actually, it was for me, like what I was aspiring to do based on the readings and the many courses. Actually, Kyla and I went to Harvard graduate to Harvard School for like um, for a summer program. And then and that's how part of how we met. And that, but we also went to Reggio Emilia many times and we did a lot of workshops. But it was most about something that you aspire to have or to do, but but no one telling you how to do it. But that, and it's super challenging to just like create your own path and just like walk the talk and fail and, and stand up again and just like, like move on. Uh, but I think if you have a big purpose and you're like really committed to your passion, then you do whatever you want. And now I can say that my mentors are actually friends. So it's not like someone and, and many of the leaders and the people that we really admire when we were studying, now they are also friends. And that's a 80 year old man and also some, and, and he's also like a grandpa for us. And then we have these people that are like, yeah, they're like family for us. And they help us like go through this 
challenging experience, but in a very loving way. Um, so I, I think one of the people who I most admire in this path is Carla, actually, because we've been going through many phases and many challenges, but it's like, okay, but let's do it. And we're like, as she was saying, like, if it's not working or if it's not going to work, then we're happy uh, of the, of whatever happened. But now it's like, if we're not together and as, and I think that was part of the conversation that you asked at the beginning, like it's the, like the mix of the two of us. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but, and we're in the process right now of what, like we have a lot of people in the team, but how can we translate or I don't know if it's contagious or how it is that we should do what we do. Yeah, let's look at exactly the, uh, I think the word I use is like magic. So the magic of you both coming together with your own personalities and experiences, but like you mentioned with a similar purpose. So maybe Carla, if you could take us to that process of you and Carolina meeting and seeing, oh, we are completely different, but when we get together, it's actually really beneficial. Yes, so um, Caro and I met through one of my mentors, actually, and she's still, you know, she's a friend and I call her all the time and, and the, the mentors that I've had since I was 17 years old, you know, they're still the same, they're like, they're for me and they're my family, they were invited to my wedding, like their family. And um, we, I started doing like, with this person in particular, we did an action research group in this was 2003, I think. And what we were doing, it was trying to transfer um, thinking routines developed by Project Zero at Harvard into the early childhood classrooms. So we were trying to convert them so they would work for little kids. And that was like my first step into leading something, you know, doing something that people were saying, that's not going to work. And then a year later, we're having a conference. It worked. And Kathy Salmon was that person who, were, who was like, you know what, let's try to do this. And she was the one who introduced me to, to Caro. And in the meantime, I was at the United Way Center for Excellence, which is a, a lab school in Miami, a demonstration school. And that's where I got, that's home. That's where I got all of the knowledge. And that's where I got pushed in many different uncomfortable directions, <laughs> you know. And that's where my other mentors are. So. When I met Caro, like I come from very from an American perspective, you know, it's very corporate, very number driven, very, you know, hardcore workaholic, nonstop. And then I meet Caro, and she's like this sand person, all philosophy, you know, and like it's this mantra, like everything she writes is like poetic. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> How can you do that? So um, we have this thing where I, when I write something, I'm like, okay, make it sound pretty. And when she writes something, she's like, okay, make a summary of it. <laughs> so, so like we know what our flaws are and then how we complement each other. But um, I think what has happened throughout the years is that we have managed to understand that we cannot compete because we, we only complement. We have to remain different because that's what makes... Uh, that's what makes us a, a strong team. And the same for, for our, my mentors or our mentors now. We have very different mentors. You know, we have um, Kathy, who's more philosophical, and I have Gladys, who's like more corporate. And then I have, you know, the more pedagogical mentors. So if I want to know about different things, we kind of start calling different people. 
and and then they're not the same they're very very different and i think finding that and when caro and i met and to this day you can tell anyone like i'm very like dry and i say things you know <laughs> and in costa rica and latin america that's not necessarily good <laughs> so caro has been my mentor in trying to okay carla let's make this you know a little bit nicer let's stop let's you know so I, she's been my mentor in that and i'm like all about pharma my head hurts let me get you know an antibiotic and carol's like no let's try essential oils you know so <laughs> so we're different in every way but i think that's that's part of what how beleli is beleli gives you the opportunity to be yourself and to learn from others and to rely on others not necessarily from this competition point of view but from this need to have others are different than you and i think we model that and the other day we were having a, a conversation with our team and we got into a disagreement it was a professional disagreement but we get into them a lot and after that it was like okay you want to have some wine you know like <laughs> so it was like we had a disagreement in front of a lot of people it was professional but that's not personal that's professional and and land america that's not necessarily easy to find <laughs> so we can manage to divide that i don't know if i answer your question i'm sorry oh definitely definitely about the <laughs> magic and the complementary <laughs> items what would you like to add from your perspective carolina to this really the 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 yin and the yang of you both getting together and working uh, with meleli no i think carla explained it very well and i would just add that and also about the energies but also when one of us is very tired the other one is okay i will take care of everything you just go and relax or if you're going through a different like a, a situation in your family or with your friends or personal life it's just like okay you just need time and then the other one is like taking care of it and i don't know how but if for example i'm not around carla can have both hats she can be me and and she can be her at the same time and i think i do the same i don't know how i think because we've been uh, together so so many years and we live one in front of the other so it's like really family but um i think the challenge right now is how to now that we have a bigger team and we have a group of coordinators it's like how do we and i don't even know the word how is it that we do with the rest so they can learn from what we do because we tend to do everything and it's like even though we already have a lot of people around it's like like you cannot just leave your project or you cannot it's it's your baby now we have two babies and i think we will have more <laughs> so it's in that process it's like how do you give your team the possibility of also believing in them and it has been a challenge because that's what we promote with kids but now with teachers Uh, it's it's a challenge that we're going through, but we've been loving the process, and we've been going through conscious leadership, um, mentoring for both of us, and we cried, and it was very intense, but it's part of it, and and we're going through this with now with more people, and now we feel more supported. So, I, and I think it's also like um, I don't know the word in English, but duelo, like grief. Yeah, it's part of it, uh, like yeah. grieving, but at the same time celebrating. Yeah, and it sounds like you've really come 
a long way. So now we move to the, as this situation, and let's say the, the transformation you're going through as leaders as well. I would be curious if we, let's jump one step back <laughs> to when you both, so you both met and you knew, like I said, let's do something weird. Let's do something crazy for kids and just a completely different environment than all the other schools in Costa Rica so far. So when you started out, What was important for you when setting up your team? Um, like you spoke about the conscious leadership. And, and I know, for example, you do like nonviolent communication classes with your team. So what was it where you said that's the foundation where we want to base our leadership with our team on? So we had um, different conversations. I remember once we were still in the, the, in the venture capital and Caro and I, we had this conversation and we were like, do you want to be a millionaire? And I was like, no. And she was like, me neither. And I was like, okay, so money's not going to drive this. And and that was, you know, because that was important. And I think at the beginning, Caro and I, we didn't have a salary and we were sending our team to Italy, you know, to get trained and to the U.S. And that was important for us. So one of the non-negotiables was that we needed to have the best trained, the highest quality of teachers and, and staff. And that was a non-negotiable till this day. You know, we, because at the end of the day, this house is anyone can rent. You know, these gardens in Costa Rica, they're not that difficult to find. But our teachers, no one has teachers because that's a lot of investing, you know, in time and money. So just investing in the team, which is mostly female, you know, so investing in this female and making sure that they're going to, they come from a poverty um, household, but they're going to be the ones who break it and giving them the chance to take English classes and go and we pay for um, university classes for them so they can finish their careers. So we are, I think, and that's where, when we connect, we're very people driven and we're very conscious about that. So money is not what drives us, you know? And again, I know we are in a position of privilege and I understand that and I'm very aware of it. But this is not a, 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 a system that was in place just so we could get more money. That's not how Beleli works. And I think that's what the secret has been, that we, we invest in the people of Beleli. And then another of the, of the characteristics, I guess, it was it had to be passion driven. So, you know, we got this really awesome um, resumes and all of this. And then you bring people over for the interview and they're kind of like, you know, what drives you? What motivates you? You know, what's a, and you could have a hundred PhDs, but if you don't have that, you have nothing because kids, they know you cannot lie to them. They know if you're not passionate. So we decided that we did not want a team necessarily that would come from pedagogy. So we have anthropologists, designers, ballerinas, psychologists. We have anyone with a passion. <laughs> I don't care what your background is, as long as you have a passion. Because passion sells. CVs and degrees and all of that, that doesn't. So, and, and our main consumer are kids. So you cannot lie to three-year-olds. You know, they will rip through you. They will destroy you <laughs> if you're trying to do that. So just, you know, having these teachers who are very passionate about photography. And then guess what happens in the classroom? You know, kids are always taking pictures. You know, if you have this teacher that's very passionate about construction and loose parts, guess what happens in that classroom? You know, the kids are always creating and they have loose parts and they make stuff. 
So that transfer. So I guess it was it was people driven and it was passion driven. And I think that that's how I would summarize. But I don't know if Caro would add something else. Yes, and I think through once they come and they are part of the team, it's like a continuous learning process for all of them and for all of us. So as you were saying, we really invest in in professional development, but also like in personal growth. So um, nonviolent communication is something that uh, teachers or staff will use in their own lives. Um, if we have a session on um, conscious leadership or conscious discipline, then that's something if they have uh, families or they have like nieces and nephews or just like neighbors, they can just like, it's like the impact that you can have in a lot of people because you really am a group of teachers and Sometimes, like, if we have to give a presentation and they invite Carla and I, we say, like, no, you go. And they're like, what? Like, look, I'm not ready. No, you go. And you just, like, let's do it. And sometimes they feel like you just push me to, like, to the next step. Yes, that's the work that we have to do. And that's the process that, like, that we're also living right now um, with the project. But it's important to have this continuous interest in learning and growing and and knowing our team so we can know like what are the things that um, moves them. And it's a learning process for all of us. And it's not that we only focus on the, um, like the outcome or the relationship with the kid, but how they feel as human beings. And, and if they feel down because of something, uh, then they can also work on that. Thank you. The, um development that you just mentioned um that kind of like say the development path that you've gone through where is it that you would both say looking back at where you were standing eight years ago you're like oh gosh I wish I had known that back back then eight years ago that what's a kind of lesson learned for example for you Carolina that um yeah maybe by springing it here on the podcast you can help others uh from from that lesson learned I think to do, to not be so hard on yourself, um, because we're super. We want everything to be not perfect, but like we want to do things in a very good way because of the impact that can have on kids and teachers and families and everyone. But at the same time, you're a human being, and it's important also to to fail and to learn from it. But sometimes you're like have this pressure on you that it's like. Uh, overwhelming and that's not helpful at all and that's also something that you're modeling your team what helped you there to be kind of like softer on yourself um i think this more personal work uh, i really like this conscious leadership uh, mentoring that we had therapy uh being connected to nature like having time to go to the to the gym or just like have a coffee with your friends i think it's important to balance and also to just like prioritize what like in a very holistic way, not just like work, work, work. Yeah. How about you, Carla? What is it where you would say, oh, wow, eight years ago, had I kind of looked after myself or learned this and that? Is there something like that for you? Yes, I think. I would I would say I would say more about the team, you know, I would be more of 
I would love to have said myself to eight years ago, like, okay, this is a type of team that, that you're looking for. And this is the type of team that you need to make sure that this baby grows healthy and stable. And, and yeah, so in the meantime, we've had so many trial and errors and we think we go one way and we was like, oh no, that's not the way we wanted to go. And then we go the other way. And it's not that it's been a bad process, you know, it's been a very interesting and, and, and fulfilling process. But I think if if this is so, this is we're dealing with kids. So you, this is a very people driven and kind of like understanding the type of people that you want around something like this. This is very sensitive. And I mean, parents are leaving you their lives, literally, their hearts are here with us. So trying to to do that. And then also something else that I've learned is that maybe we should have written more. And this is something you that one of my men written. Our, oh. our like memories and like you know like biographies because we forgot I think we've forgotten most of the stuff that has happened and one of my mentors told me that about some months ago she was like you should have written and you should start writing you know kind of like these diaries of what's going on because the problem that you're having today already happened seven years ago in a different way and will happen in 10 years in a different way. But you need and you will forget because your brain is lazy and we cannot store all of that information. But if you have it, there is like, oh, this is how I managed that. So sometimes like even this week, people are like, oh, you know, this is happening. And I was like, wait a minute, this already happened. You know, this is how we managed it. And kind of like, and so you already have the answer there. And it's not like starting again and again from scratch. So that's yeah. something that I think I would have told myself, like, write more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I would love to read that book, especially on your lessons learned, because what I find so impressive is how much you invest not only in your team, but also in yourselves as leaders to get that self-awareness, that self-growth. Because I firmly believe, like, if you are, let's say, fine with yourself and all the different twists and turns that your life takes that's something you project on to the others who you're working with so that's why when I heard like the combination of both of you together with your different strengths and this huge element of self-reflection and wanting others to develop I was like oh I have to have those two in the podcast <laughs> what are other things where um because you mentioned the word weird at the beginning Carla um <laughs> we're like mm, we're doing things in a weird way well Maybe that's what people from the outside think. What are other, let's say, leadership practices that might not be so usual, let's say, to other people, but that you really deeply believe in? Okay. Yeah, I think one of the first ones that we did that was highly criticized is that we decided to have an open door school. So we had a co-working space for parents to be here while their kids you know were in school so if they want if you were a working mom or a working dad and you could you wanted to be here you know and then go have lunch with your kid you could do that or let me see what they're doing in the garden so we also gave parents the permission to play and then you see that you know adults needed as much or, or maybe more than kids and they would go downstairs, they would read books to them. So now you're so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's dad. And now it's like, oh, I mean, when they go into the classrooms, it's not like you can go and observe. You go and we have to wash hands, you wash hands. And if we have to read books and you get this book and you read it, you know, you're there helping. And um, the, the moment when we decided to have this open door policy, it was like, you guys 
crazy how it is going to work. And even for the teachers, some teachers were like, I don't feel comfortable, you know, being observed. And we were like, well, are you going to do anything wrong? Because <laughs> like, mistakes will happen. But if you're not going to hurt the child, if you're going to give your best, if you're going to really model, you know, good, healthy relationships, there's nothing you can hide, you know. And and I think for teachers that really empowered them, because once you have the parents in, you you open the set. Like this is what we are. This is who we are. We have. We're hiding nothing. This is not a secret formula, you know. This is all we have. So back then, it was highly criticized, and and then what we realized was that having families here was our best um, recipe because you have the experts of these kids with you, and no one knows those kids better than their parents. So that was um, something that that we did back then. There was weird and it's not so weird anymore and then also investing in the team you know the 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 time frame for a preschool teacher in the classroom globally I think it's about three years now so after three years they leave the classroom and that's why early childhood usually gets you know that they don't get the best quality training and the best quality PD because it's expensive and then you know that they're going to go and but if you know this and you still do it I think as Cairo was saying, is the ability to multiply. You know, they, they might not get into the classroom, but eventually they'll be moms or aunts or neighbors of someone who might benefit from that. And, and I think that's beautiful. You know, some of the stuff that has left Belelia, actually most of them, they've gone to become, you know, their own, to open their own companies or their own like consulting, um, partnering and, and all of that. So, so they're becoming leaders. So I don't know how we're doing it, but I think we're doing it. We're do- we might not be doing such a bad job in this area. <laughs> At the end, they're living empowered. Yeah. What would you like to add, Carolina? I would like to add that at the beginning, we were also, and still, we're very open in sharing our experience. So we used a lot of social media in, and sharing whatever we're doing and what we believe in and who our mentors are and the courses that we take, but also every time that we did us like a course, a workshop on for, for other teachers from other schools, from the, the schools that are our competitors. And many of our, I remember one of the board meetings, uh, they said like, but you're sharing all your knowledge. And we're like, no, we're impacting more kids. <laughs> so it was like, for us, it was super important to just share and share and share. And many, even teachers from other schools were saying, but but you're giving like the recipe, like, no, you cannot do that. And because we also learned that when we went many times to Reggio Emilia. So Reggio Emilia happens in Reggio Emilia, Italy. Beleli happens in Beleli, Escazú, and Santana. That's it. So I think from the very beginning, it was a way of us uh, for telling teachers that it was important to just share. And and it was a way to empower them, but also it was important that the um, the impact that we can have was more powerful than just like keeping it to ourselves yeah. and and we also did that on like with different um, play sessions that we called pop-up playgrounds in different um neighbors neighborhoods and different parts of the of the country actually and we just promoted play play and play 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 and and it was also a way of just like connecting to other realities because Otherwise, it would be just a bubble. 
So it was also important for our teachers to just to know what's going on outside and that, that we, whatever we were doing inside could also work outside. Yeah, what a great uh, like community outreach and community impact driven basically by, by your purpose. Oh, I could speak for a long time more with you about your leadership experiences. There is um, slowly coming towards the end of the podcast. <laughs> so unless is there anything else you want to share where you want the world also to know from your experiences um, and and give, I don't know, inspiration? Because I know, I think, Carolina, you also did a TEDx talk, right? That's what Lucia told me. So from like this, this sharing of inspiration, what are things you'd really like to um, pass on to this diverse crowd of listeners that we have, but who are all interested in, in leadership? I believe to have a more um, respectful humanity for children, uh, just to respect each other. And, and for me, just like having more empathy Between uh, people, I think it's one of the most important things for me to just like continue growing and and like empathy and just like understanding your needs and your feelings. It's something that whatever you do in the area that you work with or whatever you do in life, it's important. I think my my last thought would be we have to invest in in children not because they're the future, but because they're the present and they need it. And moments like this, when you see what's going on in the in the world, it's just not sustainable. You know, this is going to be the generation that leads the world in 20, 25 years. And whatever tools we give them today is what they're going to have in 20, 25 years to deal with their lives. And these are our kids, our families, you know, our neighbors. This is the people that we know. And um, it's not... It's not sustainable to just ignore a childhood and pretend that they're going to be okay. You know, if by the time they're 14, 15, you will start, then by then it's too late. You have to start early with quality, with investment. And if we invest in early childhood, by default, we're investing in females. So, and we know what that means. We know what that means in terms of economic growth, in terms of health, in terms of um, mental health for families and for societies. So it's a, it's a, byproduct it's a wonderful byproduct that that this beautiful path gives us so yes thank your preschool teacher if you see them <laughs> thank you preschool teacher that's nice I'm just thinking who was my my actually my preschool was in Costa Rica and uh, so I'll, I'll think of my my teachers there in the kindergarten that I visited I'm coming to the very very last question now and it's an imaginary one having to do with leadership it's Imagine you have the magic power for one day to make sure that leaders with their teams across the world show a specific leadership behavior. What would you say would you want that magic pill to be able to do? I think I would say vulnerability. Because, you know, it's not about getting it right or getting it wrong. It's, you know, we're here most of us are guessing it, you know, in a way it's an educated guess, still a guess and just being vulnerable and being able to say, I'm sorry if I messed up and, you know, and let's, let's move on. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do our best. Um, yeah. Vulnerability. I think it's 
super powerful and I, it's very Brené Brown kind of uh, kind of talk and I really liked it. Um, and I think like self-care or love yourself. I think if we're happy, like you were saying that, if we're happy with who we are, then that shines and brights everyone around you. Great. Thank you for sharing those self-reflections. I, I love the, the vulnerability and, and the self-care. It has so much, I think it gives uh, listeners also the chance to see there's so much in your own hands that you can do. So independent of what kind of organization you're working in, there's a lot you can do working on your self-leadership then that also then shines, like you said, Carolina, to, to the teams. Thank you so much to both of you for taking the time. It's uh, early morning Costa Rica here in Munich. It's the afternoon and it's International Women's Day that we are recording this episode. So it's a, it was a wonderful occasion. Muchísimas gracias. Gracias, Catherine. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. And danke schön. <laughs> yes. This was Destination Leadership the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you? Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn, all under my name, Katrin Grunwald. Also, if you have any feedback from the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership.